Hey y'all, it's Rachel from A Mother Far From Home. This is for part of our Mom Life Mentorship, and this is the W as part of the Wisdom Framework, and that is going to be what I'm calling the Well Three. So that's three needs that kids and moms have that when met, help keep you well. So this is coming from part of the Language of Listening Framework that I have been authorized in and done a lot of study in. And I'm not going to say every single need that we have falls under these, but these are just three general rules of thumb. When we kind of think about these things in terms of how our kids are acting or how we're even acting, that we can begin to make sense of some of these things. Okay. So a lot of most of our behaviors are driven by these three healthy needs that we can have. And the three needs are experience and we'll dive into them all, but experience connection and power. So, and now this is a big part. This is a big something to think about that kind of can seem a little shocking at first, but whatever our kids are already doing is already meeting these needs. So often when, in terms of when we think of needs, we're like, oh yeah, my kid has a need for, um, attention that's not being met. And so they're doing X, Y, Z. Whereas really our kids are often doing X, Y, Z as a way to meet that need. So it already is working. It, so it might not be working how we want to. So let's think about uh, maybe a toddler who is jealous of a baby. Okay. Jealous is a strong word for me to put on it, but that's just sort of a framework that we could think of, you know, kind of feels displaced by the baby, worried that perhaps mom loves the baby more, whatever. It, a lot of this is nonverbal if you have a little toddler, but these are the kind of swirls of emotions that are coming through. So if they're kind of maybe doing baby behaviors that are like acting out, or maybe they're reverting back and acting a little bit more baby-like, pretending to be a baby again to get attention, you might think, oh, they actually need, um, you know, the, their her need isn't being met for connection. Well, actually, she's trying to meet it by doing that. So she wants connection. So she's using this baby, baby behavior to get to be babied. She's figured out a way to already meet that need. Now, if you don't like that or you think it's not really working, this is when you could come in and do something a little bit of different to help your kids meet their needs. But that's how we want to kind of think about it. Whatever they're already doing is working to meet some of these needs. It just might not be working in a way you're okay with and that we can explore later. But essentially, these are three basic needs for growth. So if when we think of we wanting our kids to grow and to mature and even for ourselves, we need to have a healthy amount of these needs met in order to do that. So let's think about the first one, experience. So this is, this would be the mastery of their body and the physical world through experiential and sensory exploration. That sounds kind of um, academic, but essentially this is doing, it's trying. It's, it's the difference between being told the wall is hard or kind of hitting the wall, touching it, banging against it. It's why kids want to touch things and play with things and they want to run their hands through beads. It's why standing in the sand is so fun or playing in the mud or the water it's why instead of just being sitting and watching us cook, they want to join in and cook. They want to experience it. They want to feel it. They want to try it. And we often as parents are like, oh, it's just too much. Just watch and learn. But they want to experience it. So if you feel like your kid is trying in, they're trying to jump, they're trying to do it, they're trying to help, you know, it. they are trying to meet or they are meeting this need for experience by doing so a second basic need we have is connection. So this is feeling noticed, feeling understood, feeling validated, feeling loved, having a sense of importance or belonging. Um, so this is that connection that we can have with those around us and our family and our parents. So or, or for us with our children. 
So this connection is really important. Um, And kids will try to meet this. As we know, if a kid feels unnoticed, they'll do something to get noticed. And this is why validation is so important as part of connection. Now, we want to make sure, of course, we don't think, oh, if I just make my kids feel understood, they'll just always do whatever I want. No, because kids just want to do or they don't want to do. Like, it's connection is in, in some types of parenting or some schools of thought of parenting really focus so heavy on connection that they don't ever that they think if you just have a perfectly connected relationship, your kids will just always do what you say. But that's just not really how it is. That's like if you just had, um, you would say, oh, you know, if, if I felt like I had such a perfect connection with my husband, I would just always do everything he wanted and not what I wanted. Like, no, you, you shouldn't just erase yourself to do everything somebody else says. And that's not the goal of connection with our kids. Yes, we need them to follow our boundaries. Yes, we need to have boundaries that are healthy and not allow our kids to cross over them into unhealthy behaviors. All of that is true. But connection is not a manipulation tool to get your kids to do what you want. It is just part and parcel of being part of a family, connecting with them, helping them feel loved. But all that to be, all that said, whenever our kids are going through a struggle or they're doing something that, that, that they don't like, that they shouldn't, they're doing something we don't like, or maybe they've just acted out, you know, reacted strongly, something like that, we can still validate. And by us validating, understanding where they're coming from, this does create a sense of connection and it makes the sense, of, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this world. Somebody gets me. Mom gets me. And this, this, the, the importance of this can't be overstated because I've known it, I've seen it and just, you know, firsthand as well as with lots of moms that we've helped throughout the years. But whenever your kid knows that you can understand him, they'll come to you when they're very vulnerable and they'll share it. And then when you are able to help them feel understood, they exhale. It's like they can relax. So that sense of importance is the sense of belonging and also feeling important just to be part of the family. You know, this is a big, um, this is a big need. And so the third need we have here is power. And so that is feeling confident, feeling in control of themselves, feeling like they're able to make an impact and do. And so feeling confident now, now I like to say confident, self-confidence is self-earned. And this means you can't give it to somebody else. So we can't give our kids self-confidence. We can't just convince them they're good at something they've never done and that they're going to be like, that's right, I'm so good at it. Or if they do it sort of bravado and it's not real because the way that we get confident is by trying and doing. It's by having experience like we talked about. But what kids need in order to feel okay is they need a little bit of power. Now, this can be polarizing for some people because they think, well, the kid's not in charge, you know, and I'm not saying kids should just be in I'm just not saying little ones, you know, whose brains are fully formed or should be in charge of their parents. Like, of course, I'm not saying that. But the kids need, kids do have some power and they need to be able to feel confident over some little things. So this could even be over, you know, their body. So for example, we, in our house, if, if the kids are playing and somebody says, okay, I'm done playing this, like get off, you know, like if they're wrestling or something, it's important to have that sense of power over your own body in the sense you can tell somebody else, no, excuse me. And she can tell, okay, I'm done with that. Let's stop. Or even with just eating, this is just a small example, but you know, they eat until they feel kind of finished and being able and okay. And actually as an example, kids really will use eating as a, um, a way to feel some power because unless you physically shove stuff down their throat, they can refuse to eat. And so this is now this might, this makes many a mother upset, but this is a way a child is trying to exhibit and exert a little bit of power. And so the way that you would allow them to do this without breaking your boundaries is that you would offer the food 
when it's appropriate. Okay, here's breakfast, here's lunch, here's dinner, maybe here's a couple of snacks. They can eat it or they don't have to, but then you're not just going to cook and give them tons of food all in between, right? You're giving them plenty of opportunities in the one I just listed, five opportunities to eat. Literally, there's it's impossible for them to starve unless they're just being picky. They're going to get offered food five times a day and they can decide to eat or not eat. And they're still maintaining that sense of power over their own body without breaking any of your boundaries. So it's important that kids, that it, it, it is a both. It is a win-win. How can mom and dad keep healthy boundaries that teach our kids, you know, our values and just the way to live and exist in a healthy, successful way, while also allowing them to have some appropriate power for their age. So this doesn't mean like a kid is going to get the power to drive when they're a toddler, right? But it might mean they want the power to sit down in their seat and try to buckle it a little bit for themselves. This is just a silly example for a little one. But you want to make sure while you're making, while you're helping your kids learn to meet their needs and while you're helping meet their kids' needs, that you don't completely remove all sense of power in their lives. So I'm going to give you an example. I was in the doctor's office and there was a mom and it was like a two, three-year-old maybe. And, um, he kind of walked out and he was just, there was nobody in the doctor's office, but me, my son, her and her little son. And he just kind of was standing in the middle and she was just like, Joshua, you know, that's not his name, but she's like, sit down in the seat. And he just kind of looked at her. Like there was no reason he had to sit down in the seat. There was literally no reason he couldn't just stand there. He wasn't wild. He wasn't talking. He wasn't doing anything. Sit in the seat. So he kind of, you know, then he didn't immediately go because he seemed kind of shocked. She picked him up. She sat him down while he was sitting there. He just started bouncing his feet, right? He was just bouncing his legs in the seat and she's like, stop it. Stop, stop bouncing. it, Stop. And she like push held his legs down. And I was watching this and I was like thinking, okay, she, she, where she's coming from is she's wanting him to listen. She's wanting him to obey. She's wanting him to be calm. I guess she's wanting to make sure he's not out of control in the doctor's office, but nobody's around. He's not doing anything naughty. And even just him shaking his legs, which wasn't making a noise, it wasn't doing anything. She even was taking that power away from him. He wasn't even able to just sit and move his legs without being held down. So we want to make sure we're not escalating to the point of removing and removing power in a way that the kids feel trapped. Okay. So now I'm, you'll, you'll have to be able to Tell the difference between when a child is feeling trapped or when they're trying to come out and take some of the adult authority, you know, under their own kind of like, no, I'm not going to go to school today. I'm just not going to go. And they're refusing to listen, right? I'm not saying give them power over these important choices in their life. That's not what I mean. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying they can have the power for certain things. We don't want to remove all of that power because if they feel powerless, they will meet that need. They will do various things to try to meet that need. Often kids who feel powerless might take it out on other kids, hold lowered power over their siblings, you know, um, to try to do something to get a little bit of that power back. So when, so I think this is what in psychology, I guess they might call self-actualization or, you know, I don't know, maturing, but when our needs are met in a, you know, normal enough way, we're not always going to be perfect. We cannot aim for that. But when our needs are met in a normal, you know, enough way, our best self naturally arises. So in the sense that when our needs are are met in a normal way, we become a little more confident. You know, we become a little bit more self-assured. We're not kind of acting out in unhealthy ways. So my son, I'm going to give example, my son who has ADHD, he has ADHD. And we know some of his needs for power were not getting met. And it was, a, we had a variety of things. So once we got his treatment kind of under control and we were able to see executive functioning wise, he's actually a couple of years under his biological age. Whenever we had more clear expectations, 
they, you know, lowered them from what I had had being that were unrealistic. I was able to set him up for success that helped him feel more validated, loved and understood. He didn't always feel like he was just ruining everything. He didn't feel like everybody was annoyed with him all the time. He just felt much more able to be calm and connect with everybody. He ended up having a little more power to make choices because his the choices that he was making were just better. And oh, he it was, it was almost like in us lowering our expectations, supporting him a little more. All of his needs got met in a different way, and he actually became more affectionate, more much more sweet and thoughtful and calm. It's like whenever we we met his needs in that appropriate way where he was at, his best self came out. He just was, and and even other people noticed, my mom even was like, you know, I just noticed these, these things. And I'm like, yes, this is what we did. So now on the other hand, when these needs are not met, and now it isn't like we need to listen, we need to go through all the time. Okay. She act, she yelled at me because of the, I mean, you know, okay, we're just, we're just working with this, this model as it is. It just doesn't mean every single time they do something because some particular needs not met. Sometimes our kids can just, I don't know, want what they want. You know, um, they can just be ungrateful sometimes just because that's what they're feeling. Right. But when they're not met on a consistent basis, the child will go into action to meet them in ways that we do not like. So this would be a child who feels like they have a need for connection with a parent, say, and they're not getting whatever they want. The child will go into action to meet them. This might mean they start getting in trouble. It might mean they start doing different things so that they, the attention by, you know, comes on them. They might start acting out in more severe ways at school so that their parents are forced to go deal with them. Whatever, whatever it may manifest for different people it, when the needs are not met, the children will go into action to meet them and they'll escalate them. So we want to just make sure as a daily practice, we're just helping our, you know, our kids realizing they're already going to try to meet their needs. And if we see them trying to meet it in a way we don't like, we can redirect them to help them meet that need in a way we do like. So if they're trying to get a lot of attention when they act naughty, then we don't need to respond to the, the bad behavior, so to speak, with tons of tons of time because then that's almost reinforcing that behavior. Instead, we need to think, okay, this child needs a little bit more time and add it in some, maybe add an extra five minutes to the bedtime routine, add a little snuggle in the morning, take an older kid out, you know, for ice cream, you know, just on, on a walk with them, meet it in, in a way so they don't have to meet it in a way you don't like. And whenever, and we, we, as part of the language of listening, we validate. So we say, say what you see. That's the first step. Okay, right now you're doing this. Then we can add a strength whenever we see it come up. Okay, the reason you did this is because of this. And I'll give an example. And then we can add a can do. So for example, if the child is was trying to be super helpful and they're wanting to make connection, they're coming in the kitchen trying to cook with you, but they're just getting everything out. They're kind of getting in your way. Maybe they're making a mess. You can say, you the say what you see might be, you really want to help. You just want to join in. You want to learn how to cook dinner. And they may agree or not agree with that and they'll correct you. And then the strength would be, you know, this shows that you're responsible. You're just wanting to learn these skills. You're really maturing and, you know, whatever you think their motivation is, that's a strength. You're bringing that out. The can do is how they can do it in a way that's okay with you. So you might say, I'll tell you uh, or I'll hand over this bowl and you can do this or I'll give you this to, to stir. You can turn the oven on and, you know, so you can, you, you tell them what they can do to help meet that need of helping you, of learning, of experiencing cooking without just letting them do whatever they want in a way that you don't like. Because this is when 
They've done this. They want to help. They want to be there. And generally, you I mean, you probably want them to be in there too, but maybe they're in the way. They're getting ahead of you. They're spilling. And this has gone over your boundary because now it feels like there's no order. It's chaos. This is when moms can get frustrated and be like, get us here in my way. Get out of the way. You know, and we can, and then we feel guilty after because we're like, they were just trying to help. So the way to avoid this is giving the can do's that saying, okay, you can do this and I'm going to do this. And so you're still allowing them to help, but you're directing them. So we're going to just need, be thinking about this need for experience or connection or power. I'm going to give a couple examples. And these are examples that are given in the language of listening, um, mastery class that I've taken. And I'm just going to use these as examples. And so one of them is a child like putting their hand out to stop you, to stop you from touching them, to stop you from coming close to them. So this would be an example of a child who is wanting to meet their need for power by stopping you. So this might mean kids who, you know, if they don't want you to touch them, for example, this might be a child meeting their need for power by saying, don't touch me. I want a little bit of power. I want power here. Um, Okay, let me go into the next one. Okay, so we have another. Uh, we have a picture. So I'm looking at a picture, and it's a picture of a bunch of kids like laughing, sitting, spending time with each other. It's four girls, and they're laughing. So the need here would be a need for connection. They're facing each other, and they're laughing together. They're joining in this together. Next, we have a picture of a young girl smelling a flower. You know, you've taken a walk with little kids, and they won't just what they want to put their hands in the dirt. They want to pick up a rock. They want to touch the leaves. You know. This is a need for experience. They want to have that sensory experience. They want to touch it or smell it, you know? So if you're walking and and doing, and you have kids who are uh, all of my kids, I I feel like all of my kids just want to touch everything. And oftentimes it'll drive me nuts. I'm like, keep your hands in your pockets. I literally have had to make a rule before everybody, all the boys have their hands in their pockets when we go in the store. (laughs) So, and because this was a glass store, I don't know why I I went in there in the first place, but you know, I guess I, uh, you know, want to torture myself. But if your kids are always wanting to meet this need for touch experience and in ways you don't like, you can allow them to still have that and direct it in a one that you're okay with. Okay. So if say you have two kids who are playing and there's different pieces, maybe to the Lego and one kid is stopping the others from getting the pieces they have. So, or, you know, using their hands physically. So this is a child meeting their need for power. So they're using force to control their toys and each other, right? They're wanting to force them away. Or this is kids who are pushing other kids. They're wanting to meet this need for power to get what they want. Okay. So another, you know, we have connection would be when kids wanted to interact with you, they want to talk with you. You know, maybe you're cooking dinner, you're really busy, you're trying to read a recipe or you're listening to something, whatever, and they want to come over and have a need for connection. Well, maybe this is say you have 30 minutes, you're cooking dinner, maybe you're listening to a podcast and you feel like this is you time, right? And your kid comes over and they want to connect. So what most moms do is they might either stop what they're doing to connect. And maybe if it's a short thing, that's fine. Or they might feel guilty and like, I just want to listen to this. Why can't I just listen to anything? Whereas what you can do is say, oh, you know, you wanted to chat with mommy. I'm going to chat with you too. You can, um, after I finish this, then we'll sit down and have a chat. So you can still help them meet that need for connection, or you can still meet that with them while still maintaining doing what you wanted to do. You don't, it can be both. You don't have to always give up what you were doing because you might have a need for, you know, listening you know, you maybe it's, it's something, it helps you relax while you're cooking. And, you know, it's okay if you say, okay, as soon as I'm done with that, we'll sit down and talk. Right. Um, so it, it's important to think about, oh, and I'm laughing because there's this next picture. It's a kid on with toilet paper and it's just unrolled all of the toilet paper, all of the floor when he's in the bathroom. And so this is typically meets the need for experience, right? They want to just 
unroll and roll. They want that sensory experience. And if that drives you nuts, you can say, you can do that. We're not going to do that, but you can do this. So this basically, I just want to encourage you that none of this is probably revolutionary to you, but thinking in terms, what I really want you to take hold is thinking in terms of the fact that our kids are already trying to meet these needs. They're already doing it. They're not just sitting there with total unmet needs. They're meeting them. It just could be they're meeting them in ways they don't really like, or they're meeting them in ways you don't really like. And so if you feel like your child's doing something that's driving you nuts, or it's, it's sticking in your mind, like what's going on here? Just think, okay, what, what need could they be trying to meet? Well, what would be okay with me? if they met that need and did, then it's a win-win, you know? Um, an example from a mom who ha- was carrying the baby and a bunch of stuff downstairs and her toddler wanted her to hold her hand and walk downstairs with her. And that was what the toddler wanted. She wanted to connect. She wanted to touch. And maybe she wanted a little bit of, I don't know, power to get her mom to do that specific thing. And so the mom couldn't in that moment, but said, I'll be right up. And she went down, put the other stuff up, put the baby, you know, safely somewhere and then went back up and did that. So this is a great example of, of, uh, you know, you're not losing it. You're not shaming yourself. You're not shaming your child. You're just saying, yes, you know, in fact, I'll help do that. But you're going to have to give me a minute. So then it's a win-win. This is what we want to look out for with our kids, how we can have win-wins without feeling like they're always winning and we're losing or feeling like we're always winning and somehow damaging them. So of course in Voxer, let me know if you have any questions about this and then we can dive into that together.